Welcome into another Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this Sunday night, December 5th, after the Chiefs just won again and covered again. Just the second home cover all season, but they seem to be riding the ship. We'll get into all that and the entire Week 13 slate. Look ahead to Monday Night Football Showdown with Patriots and Bills with Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN researcher extraordinaire, coming up. By the way, I should probably introduce myself as well. I am Doug Kazarian. And uh, let's get to it. So, Mackenzie, you know, every uh, last few pods, we've started it off with, you know, how the road teams have covered and they continue to cover. It's been, what, 57%-ish this season. They go seven and six. And we saw some chalk that really, you know, we think hurt the books. It obviously depends on which book and blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, different kind of outcomes have different effects on each individual book. But uh, I would say the people that bet the favorites and did well tonight uh at least the big numbers exactly the the big numbers is really the key this week um favorites went eight and five against the spread overall but if you break it down by how many they were favored by five teams were favored by more than a touchdown all five won covered the spread with the rams the bucks the colts cardinals and the chiefs and teams favored by at least five points went eight and one against the spread the only loss being uh the vikings who uh give the lions their first one of the season and uh but teams favored by one to four points 0-4 0-4 against the spread this week with one game to play tomorrow night. So big favorites covering the small favorites not doing so well this week. Yeah, usually public doesn't get too involved in the double-digit spreads. I mean, obviously, betters do, but just not to the same degree. Although Sunday night game, the Island game, the, the bailout game, I think Kansas City probably got some backing, especially because they've played well and looked the part, so to speak, um, the last you know the last few um Weeks. So what is it? Five straight wins and three straight covers. Well, I, I mean, I'm I, looking at the Caesar splits though. Like the Broncos got more money and they got more tickets in that game. I mean, maybe I, I don't know if that's just specific to Caesars or not, but like maybe maybe some of the betters are starting to back Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you look at the stats entering today. He was nineteen and three ATS as a road underdog and fifteen and one against the spread. Fifteen and one as a road dog of at least three points entering tonight, but uh, couldn't get the job done tonight. Uh, but the Chiefs defense continues to really impress there. That, that's been the biggest surprise of the Chiefs recently for me. Um, yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree with that, the defense. I'm still not sold on them just given their, um, you know, the, the opponents they were playing. I mean, I think that's for me is where I'm uh, reserving optimism or cautioning at least some optimism. They looked great. But, you know, this, this Denver offense, the Bridgewater and they had those long drives and then just they're just kind of inept at times, had some drops. I'm curious to see what happens. Now, they're definitely like a playoff team and a contender for sure. But I just wonder what happens when they're going to face some of the best teams. But the AFC is wide open. We don't know what the best teams are. And, and to your point there, we have 12 AFC teams or 500 or better right now. And. Every AFC team has at least four losses this year. So, I mean, we haven't had a time where every team in a single conference has had at least four losses uh, this early in the season since uh, 2002 in the AFC, just to put that parity in perspective. I mean, we'll find out some more tomorrow night when the Bills and Patriots play two of the top teams in the league. But as of right now, the Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC, which is a sentence that I was not expecting to say a couple weeks ago. So it's five straight wins and three straight covers, just to clarify with the Chiefs. But uh, to your point, we have the Bills Patriots tomorrow night. Obviously, a lot can change after that game, but Baltimore loses. It was an exciting game that came down to the you know final few seconds and even the onside kick, which was awesome by Tucker. But 
you know, the Ravens go for two. We saw it last week with, I believe, Shanahan. And then, so you're the intentional offsides, but they don't decline it on offense, which you could have. So in second one, because that basically preserved a timeout. Otherwise, they would have had an extra play. They would have basically, it would have been like four plays to get 11 yards versus the Steelers. So they were playing a little cat and mouse, but they could have declined it. And I think eventually, I mean, the announcers aren't even sensing it. Even Romo didn't get it. But um, eventually, it'll start being a thing where like people know what's going on, but just not there yet. But it was a great finish, great play design for Big Ben. To, I'm glad they played for the touchdown at least. And that game, you know, they talked about Big Ben's last stand, all that, but it lived up to the billing. And it was the most points Ben Roethlisberger has ever gotten at home in his career. I mean, he's been playing since 2004. He had never been more than a three-and-a-half-point home dog. They closed as a four-point dog in this one. The Steelers have always been pretty good as an underdog, especially recently. 17-5-1 against the spread as a dog the last four years. They've been a really difficult team to figure out this year. So have the Ravens, though. The Ravens as a favorite have struggled all year as well. And I wasn't sure about the decision to go for two toward the end. I mean, to me... I look at it as the Ravens have the better team, so you probably want to play it out more in overtime. But the way that game was going, the Steelers had all the momentum in that game. And Harbaugh even said after the game that they were running out of cornerbacks, and that was one of the reasons that they went for it. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see that thought process that he actually, you know, thought about all these things and put all this data into his decision making by saying, listen, Marlon Humphrey's out. I don't know if we can cover these guys anymore. Let's just go for the win right now. But uh our, our win probability models had it about even, you know, I think we, we gave a slight edge for going for it, but not, nothing really significant. But uh, I, I, but that was a really fun game. And that whole division is wide open right now. Even the Steelers are, are in it right now, 6-5-1 and one with the Ravens 8-4 and four in first place. And all four of those teams in that division, 500 or better, and all four of those teams have pretty difficult schedules down the stretch. Bengals had a crazy game, built them, dug themselves a huge hole, came back, almost had a chance to even, you know, thinking they were going to come back and win. But that ultimately did not um you know get there so to speak but i mean certainly a uh, remarkable run Bengals have now failed to cover five straight home games this year but that game was pretty crazy like you said starts 24 nothing chargers then all of a sudden the Bengals have a chance to tie the game at 24 they don't get the two-point conversion and then Bengals don't score the rest of the game it ends 41 to 22 the this chargers team is a jekyll and hyde team and they showed uh, both those sides in this game yeah, no, it was a crazy game. Then you had the Jamar Chase sort of fumbled, then it turned into an interception. I mean, like juggling and then flipped it up behind him, and the defender got the interception. And then just the scoop and score that iced the game for the Chargers where the – was it Mixon? Who just dro- – somebody just dropped it uh, while trying to rush the ball. So wild game, fun game in that, as we look at that division. But elsewhere, you mentioned some of the big favorites. So the, pay, the Bucks easily cover – uh, got a little hairy, I guess. The back door was open. But for the most part, Falcons are pretty limited. And Brady and Gronk connect twice for touchdowns. So they got there. All Indianapolis. Indianapolis could have taken a knee inside the 10 uh, in the final two minutes. Did not. Got another touchdown. That was interesting. Felt like a college game. And then the Rams pulled away. It was a little tight at halftime given the point spread. But they eventually pulled away. So nothing too exciting about those three games. They were double-digit point spreads. What can you tell us on that front? A couple quick things. The Rams had had not covered in five straight games entering this one, and they had been 0-4 against the spread as a double-digit favorite in the last two years. So nice to see the Rams uh, get an easy win. That line moved to 14 on game day after being 13 a lot of the week. Tampa Bay, like you said, getting their second road cover in a row after starting the year 0-5 against the spread. And uh, 
With the Colts and the Texans, we now have the first team officially eliminated from postseason contention. Texans no longer eligible to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> they were minus 1,100 to miss the playoffs entering the year. So uh, you can cash those tickets right now. But uh, Jonathan Taylor, rushing touchdown in 10 straight games. I still don't think he's really got a chance to win the MVP, even though it seems like nobody wants to really step up and win that award. Uh, we, we mentioned the Bucks just now. Tom Brady was the favorite entering this week as another big statistical game, even though he throws a three-yard pick six to a defensive lineman uh, in Marlon Davidson. But still, he, he puts up gaudy numbers. He's still the leader in passing yards. still the leader in passing touchdowns. I think he got the narrative on his side. They're 9-3, and three, so they're one of the best teams in the league. So I think that he's a, a worthy uh, MVP favorite uh, as of now. Yeah, we'll see what Josh Allen does. Uh, Monday night can certainly close the gap. I believe he's the second. Did Mahomes do anything tonight in your eyes to close the gap? I, w- I would say no. I mean, look, look, look at his stat line. His yeah. stat line was uh, 15 for 29, 184 yards and in interception. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass tonight. He did run for a score, but that's not going to that's not gonna help his numbers, and the Chiefs are already kind of, you know, I mean, they are 8-4 and four now. I guess that kind of They could get the one seed, bit. and Collinsworth was talking yeah. about it. You know, Collinsworth and Al Michaels were saying that they could sneak into that one seed, crazy as it sounds, or at least as it sounded a few about a month ago. But, um, you know, Mahomes still has a pulse. To your point, no one's really – you know, a year ago in December, it was between Mahomes and Rodgers. Now it's between like five guys. It's crazy. Um, and we don't really know. I mean, yes, Brady's the favorite, but it almost feels like by default. And even Matthew Stafford's getting back in the mix with a, with a big statistical game today. He's second behind uh, Brady in passing touchdowns. I believe he's third in uh, yards with Derek Carr in second. But Stafford's another guy on a winning team, putting up big numbers. His problem is that they're two games back of Arizona in that division. So he's he's not going to get the one seed, which is what you always look for, I know, in, in terms of winning the MVP. Or two so it's looking pretty seed. bad for the, yeah, one or two, but either way, they're, you know, they're not, they're pretty much locked out of getting a top four seed unless they win that division. Well, so. and he laid some eggs in those big games, right? Like he lay, I mean, he had a great game against Brady in September, but then he laid an egg on that Sunday night game against the Titans. So, uh, you know, understandably, he was getting hurt in that regard. Okay, let's go to the Rams Cardinals play next week, too, by the way. So that'll be a big uh, showdown. Let's mention Arizona. That was the next game I was going to go to because Kyler Murray's back. DeAndre Hopkins back. Murray looked great. I mean, he has missed three games. So that's going to hurt his MVP campaign. And they were two and one without him as well. But they get it done on the road cover again. That to- that to- that was a, a, a pretty bad weather game in that one. That that total had some live movement down. It went down three and a half points down to 42 and a half. Still went over with 55 points, even though the Cardinals didn't even have 300 yards in that game. But they didn't need it because they kept starting every drive in Bears territory, thanks to Andy Dalton interceptions. And Dalton threw interceptions on each of their first two drives, had four in the game. Cardinals took care of business early, scoring touchdowns in their first three drives. And they are now 7-0 and outright. Uh, outright on the road this season, covering every single game and winning all those games by double digits. They're the second team in NFL history to win their first seven road games by double digits and the third team to do to win seven straight by double digits within a single season. And uh, if you're sick of the Bears, well, they're going to be in prime time each of the next two weeks right now, Sunday against the Packers, week 15 against the Vikings. So uh, we're going to be watching this Bears team in prime time a little bit this year, which is not something I'm looking forward to. Well, I imagine the schedule makers were anticipating the Red Rifle uh, not being on the bench, <laughs> not starting. So we'll see. Uh, as Justin Fields looks to recover, but Bear, Bears are one and six ATS in their last seven. I know at the beginning of the season I gave out the season win total under. I have them heavy bet on the not, no to make the playoffs, which will hopefully offset all the money I have on the Cowboys under nine and a half wins. That is only a matter of time until it loses. So, uh, by the way, speaking of the Cowboys, so the public definitely did well because the Cowboys won and covered 
on Thursday. You had high-profile teams, Sunday night game, the favorite covers. But to your point, that line came down and more money sees than the dog. But, yeah, I just heard back from an oddsmaker saying they lost and he expects other books to have a similar report. Uh, we're bearing the lead here. The Detroit Lions now have a win. Uh, that was my best bet I gave out on SportsCenter. Lions plus seven and a half. Uh, I mean, look, the Vikings play every single game of theirs, except for one, has been a one-score decision. It's crazy. And they've blown leads. And I just, with, with Dalvin Cook out, they had defensive players out. This had all the makings of the Lions keeping it close. I wasn't sure if they were going to win. And I was surprised the Vikings were so dominant to start uh, the second half. They, like, they came back and took the lead. I mean, they had shut out the Lions all half, basically. And then the Lions, just a remarkable sequence of events with Dan Campbell kind of clueless. They go for it on their own 30, give up the quick touchdown where Zimmer could have easily run the ball and and chewed clock instead of just trying to get the touchdown, which they got, but they left too much time for Jared Goff. You know, all these broadcasts, they bring in the rules experts. We need to have you as the clock management expert uh, on the on these games. We've got you as the fourth man in the in the booth for some of these games. Well, they really only need an eighth grader who's played Madden. I mean, it's not really that advanced stuff. It's just these guys are moronic. It, it's really mind-boggling. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, 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 I didn't really have a strong lean on the side of this game. The one bet I made in this game is I bet the Lions team total under, which was at 19 and a half, which obviously didn't win. The Lions hadn't scored 20 points in a game since week one. So <laughs> I, I figured that it was a pretty safe bet for that to continue without DeAndre Swift. But they put up some points in the first half. And obviously they to put get up 20 the in the year, second and, quarter. They scored four times in the second quarter. Who does that? Uh, don't remind me on that. It was insane. <laughs> the Lions are... They're eight and four against the spread, the Lions. It's crazy. And they're seven and one when getting at least four points. I mean, they're tied for the fourth fourth best ATS record in the, in the NFL. They have the same ATS record as the Patriots, who are the talk of the of the league right now. So I mean, it's unbelievable what Detroit's been doing against the spread this year. And I'm curious what's gonna happen to them next week now that they got the win to see if they're gonna have a letdown spot. Uh, they go to Denver next week at mile high. So that might be a spot to to target uh, uh Denver after a, a letdown spot for Detroit. Well, I, I, I think I'm already I think I'm looking to Denver. I'm already early on lean to Denver there. Uh, I do think it's they're they're not very good. Like their defense is not plus good. an outdoor game with Jared Goff. Yeah, Goff, Jared Goff getting his first win outdoors. without Sean McVay. Yeah, he is so bad in, I wonder how cold it's gonna be because he's really bad, particularly bad in cold weather. Okay, so that was an exciting finish. We had some other good finishes. Washington and Vegas turned it was a low scoring game, but it was still an exciting finish. Uh, Taylor, so hot, want to touch the Heineke, drove them into field goal range. I would have gone a sneak. It was like fourth and an inch. Rivera kicked a 48-yarder with a newly signed kicker and with like 50 seconds to go. And uh, Vegas only had one timeout left. But the field goal, 48-yarder was good. I would have snuck it and then tried to kick it field goal as time expired because you're playing clock as much as you're playing the opponent in field position. But I'm not the head coach of Washington. Ron Rivera is, and thankfully for them, uh, he is, and not me, and the the, uh, the defense held. But I'll tell you what, man. What was it? Zay Jones, who had the bomb, the first play from scrimmage after the field goal. That that could have easily been caught. He got his hands on it. So Raiders almost pulled out another one like they did the Monday night opening opener of uh, the season when they drove for a field goal to force overtime. And if the Raiders catch that pass at the end, car goes over 300 yards, which that's been the biggest key to the Raiders this season. They're 6-0 when, when Carr throws for at least 300 yards, and they're 0-6 when he doesn't. And and just around the same token, they're 6-0 when they score at least 17 points. or oh, Sorry, over 17 points, and they're 0-6 when they don't. So it's all about the Raiders' offense and the passing game there. And without Darren Waller, it's, it's tough to see them uh, moving the ball that consistently. But uh, 
this whole slate, the four o'clock slate was, was probably the, the most fun single slate of the year with all those games going right down to the wire and Washington. Now they've won four in a row. They've covered four in a row. They started the year two and six straight up one and seven against the spread, but you know, their, their defense is, their defense has played pretty well. We, we talked about that defense early in the year. That's why a lot of people liked Washington entering the year. They really let people down at the beginning of the year, but they're starting to live up to that preseason hype, even without chase young. And one little quirky stat too, with that game is uh Second straight week, Washington wins a game with a score of 17 to 15. So there's that. Yeah, you mentioned the Raiders and the passing yards and the points sort of uh, demarcation lines. They talked about in the broadcast, the most explosive uh, offense in the league, the most plays of at least 20 yards. The Raiders lead the league in it, at least coming into the weekend. And it could be a feast or famine situation. And obviously it was a famine this weekend, but they had all the pieces there. They just kind of botched some plays. Washington's a decent football team too. I mean, they're in the playoff mix, believe it or not. So uh, they have some competency going on there. So it was just a good game by two kind of like average teams or above average teams. You mentioned that four o'clock because you had the Steelers and the Raiders game coming down to the wire. So it was wild. One game I sort of... And the Seahawks 49ers And the Seahawks 49ers because the Seahawks fumbled on the two-yard line doing a shovel pass when they were looking to go up two scores. And the Niners had like four minutes to drive. And then it was a turnover on downs in the red zone. That was an excellent finish. But a game I was sleeping on early, I really should have pounded. We should have hammered the Dolphins. They've turned things around. They're 6-7 and seven now after that horrendous start, and they're much better than the Giants. The Giants are just not a good football team. And um, I really – like that line was lowered early. In the, it was like four, wasn't it, early in the week? Well, when we thought Daniel Jones was playing, it was like three and a half or four, and then it closes at seven once we know Mike Lennon's playing. Yeah, it was Glenn I actually Lennon had the course. opposite thought in this game. I kind I kind of like the Giants in this game. I didn't think the Dolphins were good enough to be laying a full touchdown in this game. I was a little surprised that they were laying seven. Obviously, they get the cover, and now they've covered five in a row, uh, four or five in a row. I forget if they covered against Houston. Actually, yeah, they covered against Houston. So they've covered five in a row, winning all those games. Uh, I brought it up before that uh, they've they've kind of their win streaks kind of coincided with the NFL trade deadline end, ending and uh, the Deshaun Watson rumors being put to bed hmm. for a little bit, but. Uh, I'm still not shoulding this Miami team. The win streaks come against Houston, Baltimore, the Jets, the Panthers, and now the Giants. I mean, Baltimore is obviously a very good team, though. That was a that was a weird game on that Thursday night. They didn't seem to show up for that game. But the other games, the Texans, Jets, Panthers, now the Giants. and But now the Dolphins are on bye, and they get the Jets coming out of the bye. So the <laughs> Dolphins should be able to get to a 7-7 seven and seven, uh, in, in Week 15 against the Jets. And you never know. I mean, they're... The problem is the AFC that there's so much parity in the AFC that you really need to have a winning record right now. Like Miami's six and seven, they're still 13th in the AFC, so they still got a lot of teams to pass to get in the playoff mix. But uh, it's been a nice little stretch for Miami recently. The Eagles are victorious in their second straight trip to MetLife Center, and it was the Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew, uh, Top Gun jacket and, and aviator glasses and mustache and all, entering the stadium. He actually played pretty well, all things considered, but also the Jets are terrible. They really are so bad. And the funny thing with the Jets, too, is that the offense is actually okay. In fact, if you actually watch this game, which I watched way too much of this game because obviously I'm a Jets fan, but the first three possessions for the Jets, they scored touchdowns. Now, they couldn't convert an extra point or a two-point conversion after any of them, but the problem was that the Eagles' first three possessions also touchdowns. It was the first game we've seen uh, since 1978, which is far back as Elias could go for us, where both teams scored touchdowns on their first three drives, and even despite that, the Eagles still led by three. The Jets' defense (laughs) is absolutely miserable. If they face any team that has, has a semblance of an offensive line, 
They just have no hope to stop anybody defensively. And as a result, the Jets have been a pretty good over team of late. Like early in the year, you're thinking the Jets have no offense. Their defense is competent. You take some unders with the Jets. But recently, they've been one of the better over teams in the NFL. Um, that's mostly because the defense is terrible. But the offense has shown a little bit of signs of life. Not much, but enough to put the games over the total. But the Eagles now 12-0 and all time against the Jets, 11-1 and against the spread. So this has been a one-sided series. Uh between these two teams. Why can't the Jets kick anything? What's wrong with their kicking situation? Well, they signed, they had like a, we don't need to talk about this too long, but they had a rookie who was terrible to start the year. They cut him after last game because he was terrible. They signed this new kid today, a rookie from Pitt. He misses the first extra point, misses the second extra point, And then the third time they're like, you know what? We're not going to have you kick anymore. Right. No, so. that I knew. I was live betting and I was worried about some of these quarter lines or seven and a half. I'm like, well, if they go for two, it could be just a one score, you know, in the NFL, they don't often go for two. So, uh, uh, so I was watching a lot of like the first quarter and stuff like that. So I, I noticed it and they said, we're just done kicking. Solid is going for it on fourth down and everything. Um, crazy game. I was actually watching too much of that game. And so both of us were in the same boat in that regard. I thought that game was going to go over by halftime. We almost had two games go over by halftime today between the Jets and the Eagles and the, the Seahawks and the 49ers. Seahawks Niners would have gone over if Robbie Gold had missed that, had made that extra point. Seattle had been like the best under team of the year all season. They're nine one and one to the under, and they almost went over in the first half today against the Niners. Yeah, Brock Hewitt tweeted it. This is definitely Russell Wilson's best game since returning from injury. I mean, he was really limited the last couple games, missing guys. He was excellent in a lot of a lot of stretches in this game. So it was good to see Russell Wilson back. And you know, Niners were favorites. They were dominating the first half, and then the way the half ended, Seahawks were right there. And then you get the safety in the third quarter, and then it was Seattle from there. But but Garoppolo was terrible in, at stretches. He he had some bad interceptions, I mean unnecessary interceptions, and uh, that gave the Seahawks great field position. And then obviously they converted. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say it was, it was just a strange game because Seattle to get the 73 yard uh, touchdown on the fake punt early in the game. <laughs> they have D. Eskridge catch his first career touchdown. They have two turnovers inside the five yard line, which you're not supposed to win when you turn the ball over inside the five. But Seattle is still able to get the win uh, despite all that. Monday night, uh, you know, my best bet of the weekend going in is the the Bills. I love this Patriots team. I've been betting them a few times during the six game run of uh, six straight wins and covers, but. The Patriots, like, M.O. is that you know what you're getting with them. They're, like, robotic. They don't have flat spots. They don't have letdown spots. You know, like that Thursday night game, right? Like, which team do you think was going to lay an egg, right? It was the Patriots were ready to rock, didn't mess around, took care of business. They've beaten up on other bad teams or mediocre teams. Now, they did beat the Chargers during this run. But for the most part, it's been capitalizing on just, you know, be, be, being being ready to roll with every week and then taking care of business. And I think the Bills are just better. I think Mac Jones is much his road numbers are much inferior to his home uh, numbers. Fifteen points lower on the QBR, five road games, three touchdowns, three interceptions. That's it. And I just think the Ralph will be rocking so much that it's going to be too much to ask for the Patriots to take care of this Bills team with a number under two, uh, under three here, two and a half. And if you look at this line, this line. Lo- basically doesn't even include home field advantage. The Bills are two and a half point favorites right now at Caesars. And if you give them two points, two and a half points for home field, I think like you just said that this is going to be a rocking, a rocking building in Buffalo. So I think that the two and a half points is justified on that. So that basically implies that these two teams are even, which I don't buy. I think the Bills are better defensively. I think they're better offensively. I do understand that a lot of people think, hey, New England's a better running running team in a game with bad weather. You want the team that's better running at the foot, running the football. But 
I look at it like Mac Jones, has he ever played in weather like this? Not really. Josh Allen, he played in this in college. He's played in this in Buffalo. He's got a stronger arm. And he's also just a massive quarterback who can run the ball. So even if they don't run the ball traditionally with their running backs, I think Josh Allen can control the, the game with his legs and with his arm. And I'm not sure if New England's going to be able to put up that many points against Buffalo. So I'm totally with you on this one. I, lo- I love Buffalo, especially now that's under three. Like I'm, I'm, this is a bet I already made. And uh, now, that I'm, now that I'm seeing under three, I might be doubling down on it. Ooh, ooh, look at you doubling down. Um, yeah, I just like it. I, I don't love it, even though I said it was my best bet. It was Lions was my Sunday best bet in this one. I just think there's value here. Uh, I'll probably try to middle it or something like that, but um, I think we're assuming too much with the Patriots. Maybe they're that good, but that Titans game, look, I was happy to cash my ticket, but they had some big runs and then fumbles because they were inexperienced running backs. Patriots defense is good. It's not amazing. And we'll see. I think Josh, I've, I have a lot of faith in Josh Allen. I guess that's the thing. But they did lose White in the secondary. That's a big blow for that Buffalo defense. And, you know. Against New England, I don't know if it really matters as much because New England doesn't have that number one receiver. Like, that, they don't have that guy that Tredavious White's there to take away. Now, obviously, White, him being out of the game hurts them. But I don't think, I think Pittsburgh, I think New England is one of the matchups where it doesn't affect them quite as much as it otherwise would. Our FPI, by the way, favors Buffalo by 2.8 in this game. So right there, like that, that that's the line right there. So, I mean, again, this is the, the Bills are the better team, and they're laying less than a field goal. So I think it's a pretty simple handicap right there. We'll see about the weather. It should be fun. The, the sharp money uh, blasted the under. Uh, that's, that's interesting uh, because of the, the forecast. But, you know, it's hard to – sometimes weathermen are wrong five days in advance, right? We're not sure. But it looks like that's trending in that direction that we will see snow. You mentioned college real quick. We have our college football playoff set. I'm surprised that the Alabama line's not higher. Yeah, I mean, we've never seen a double-digit underdog win a college football playoff game. Uh, and Cincinnati getting 13 and a half in that game, yeah, I think that is a little bit low. I, I don't. I, to your point, I don't think anybody's really going to be betting on uh, Cincinnati in this game. I think it's going to close at least 14 at this one. It's actually the largest spread for a team 10-0 or better since 1993. So we don't normally see these undefeated teams get that many points, but I, I don't know who's going to bet on Cincinnati in this one. Clearly, Alabama, after last week, they're going to get a, a ton of public money on that one. For last week, it was the first time they're an underdog since 2015, winning outright, looking so good against Georgia that, to your point, I think 13 and a half is a little bit low on this one. I mean, that's about what Kyler Murray and Oklahoma were catching against Alabama. Now, it was a better Alabama team, but that was the number one overall pick in the draft at quarterback. This Cincy team, I mean, they're nice, and I'm glad they're in the playoff, but like, I think they're going to lose by three touchdowns. The funny thing is you brought up that line to me, and I hadn't really thought about that much in terms of a lean, but like, as soon as you put me on the spot to, on the spot to think about it, I'm like, you're absolutely right. Alabama looks like a great bet, and it looks like a bet that you'd want to get in early because I don't think anybody's going to want to bet on Cincinnati in that game. And we talked about like the Patriots being a machine. Well, who's the college version of a machine? It's this Alabama squad, and Bryce Young with a month of coaching – you know, these, these guys get better throughout the season in college. We, in the NFL, they can as well. But you have a freshman quarterback, and he's, he's obviously much better now, and he was great against Georgia. You have Bill O'Brien with a month to plan, and they, they don't have to do much for Georgia because they just prepared for Georgia. So obviously they're going to do a little Michigan scouting, but I think they're going to, like, take Cincinnati seriously, and they're going to bring it. And now, look, since he's good, they can move. The, I just – Look, I was on Houston plus the points, so kind of no, kind of shows what I think of Cincinnati. But this team should have lost to Indiana, so I think I, I'm stunned the the numbers thirty. I thought I would have had it seventeen, just because I don't because I mean, the public's going to bet Alabama. 
since he's had a few games against lesser teams that were closer than you would think they they beat Navy by seven. They beat Tulsa by eight. They've had a couple other games that were close for a while until they pulled away late. Uh, but I, I agree. Bama looks like a pretty good bet at that number. Cincinnati, by the way, was 80 to one in the preseason to win it all, which actually wasn't even the biggest long shot of any team in the playoff. Michigan was 100 to one before the season started. Before this, we hadn't had a team with longer, longer preseason title odds than 30 to one. And by the way, we've had five teams that entered the playoff, uh, 28 to one or 30 to one, and all of them lost their first game. So Michigan and Cincinnati will hope to buck that trend. That's great. That's great info. Just so fun. And look, Wolverines are great. Best team in the entire country, ATS. So fantastic season for them. Um, and by the way, you're burying the you're actually you're burying the gambling college football lead, which is the Army Navy game. Ah, yes. Yes. 15 straight meetings have gone under in that. <laughs> so that has been, I mean, service Academy unders have been one of the best trends in college football for a long time, but particularly in this army Navy game, again, 15 straight have gone under the total right now is 35 and a half, which is tied for the lowest in any game all season. We had Iowa, Wisconsin at 35 and a half earlier in the year. And that number is also lower than any, in any of the previous 15 minute meetings, which all went under, but I don't know. I don't know how you take the over in that game. I feel like that's going to be a well, under or pass in that game. Yeah. So, so a lot of a lot of trends are not predictive, right? They're just kind of like fun facts, if you will, for lack of a better phrase. But this is predictive, and I've talked about it on Sports Center as you know, as long as three years ago, because you know we were doing gambling coverage for a while. The thought process is, it, on a week to week basis, it's hard for college teams to prepare for this unique offense that Army and Navy have, right? Like you're playing. Notre Dame and then you're playing Cincinnati and then you're playing this 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 trip this option offense right it's really hard but when they see it every day in practice they know how to like do your assignment stay home all that's all those things you need to do on a team defense and that's why these games go under because the power ratings determine the over under but the matchup it's a matchup friendly under and that is why we I to, that is my theory on this that the defenses are accustomed, and then you have both offenses bleeding the clock. But that's also why you have a 35 and a half under over under. But um, it's been fun to bet every year. And I have bet I, last year, I think I had the under in the first half and went over, and then the game went under, something like that, or maybe two years ago, or something like that. But this is it's definitely a thing. Yeah, the game was 15 nothing last year. So you're probably thinking of two years ago. That game was 31 to seven. But you're right. I mean, every every year, the last year, 15 nothing. Then it was 31 7, 17 10. Like it's very rare that the the winning team gets over 30 points, even though, like I just said, it happened two years ago. But pretty much every every time, it's just you know the winning scores in the teens or the early or the low 20s. And if that happens again, uh, most likely it'll stay under. Uh, that noise is my dog sleeping on the couch next to my desk here. So. Uh... Arthur, the dog makes noise sleeping. He's he snores. He's a French bulldog. They don't have the best breathing, um, so he Fair snores. Enough. He snores. <laughs> he breathes heavily when he does anything, though. But he is sleeping, or maybe I don't know. Sometimes he's just breathing heavy. I can't tell if he's snoring or not. So that's that noise in the background. It's like a, it sounds like a zipper going up and down. Um, all right, I think that's it. We covered college. Got the game next weekend. Obviously, the Heisman Trophy looks like Bryce Young's going to run away with it. At one point on Saturday, I think there was minus four thousand odds on a live somewhere had it posted. Um, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. He had a great game. I, I told people on air last week, minus 200 seemed really cheap for a guy who could still win it, even if he just played fine against Georgia in a loss. But, of course, they played great in a win. All right, my man. Good stuff, as always, McKenzie. I know our, our listeners really appreciate all the hard work you put com- collecting all those notes and putting them together. And, you know, week 13 in the books, except for one more game, Monday Night Football, 
at Orchard Park. I'm just sad that my Kenny Pickett Heisman ticket is dead. 